the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. the Nick D podcast. I'm your host, Nick DeGilio here on the Radio Misfits podcast network. Episode number 86 on a Tuesday. My uh, dad is going to tell a joke because it's Tuesday. At the end of the show, he'll ring that doorbell. He'll show up. He'll say hello to her. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. And he'll tell a joke. Esmeralda Leon will join me uh, to talk about crazy wedding stuff. And, uh, and talk about how excited we are to be uh, at Zany's in Rosemont on Tuesday, November 15th. Get your tickets now, 847-813-0484, rosemont.zanies.com for the Nick D Podcast Live. Tons of surprises, prizes for you, interactive stuff, surprise guests. My dad's telling jokes. Jason Skaggs flying in from uh, Houston. Me and Esmeralda live on stage. You being a part of the recording. Get your tickets now, Zany's in Rosemont, Tuesday, November 15th, 7.30, the Nick D Podcast Live. Uh, get your tickets now, rosemont.zanies.com. Uh, and uh, coming up, Dan Feinberg from The Hollywood Reporter, The Fine Print, talking tons of TV. Always a lot of TV to talk about with Dan. Hey, you want to be a sponsor? Please do advertise with us. Contact us, sales at radiomisfits.com. Drop us a line, say, I would like to advertise on the Nick D Show. We'll make sure that happens. Uh, and also be a part of the podcast 24 7, voicemails, emails, anytime you want to contact us, we encourage it. 773 417 6948. Email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. After uh, congratulations, it's time for some TV talk with Dan Feinberg. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jaggle. Somewhere else, Dan Feinberg. That's right. Uh, that somewhere else is, of course, L.A. Dan Feinberg uh, is a TV critic, a TV writer. Uh, I don't know. I think the best uh, TV writer in the world, quite frankly. Uh, writes for The Hollywood Reporter and, of course, The Fine Print, which you can find online and uh, part of The Hollywood Reporter as well. And that's F-I-E-N, The Fine Print. Uh, Dan Feinberg joins us. Hi, Dan. Hi, Nick. What up? How are you, sir? I'm okay. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. Um, and uh, we were just discussing uh, before we started recording um, that it gets darker sooner now because, uh, you know, a couple of nights ago... That's right. It was a couple of nights. A couple of nights ago, we turned our clocks back an hour. 
I wish I, you know, I, I just miss, I miss when I had reasons to enjoy, say, for example, being able to be out playing late into the evening, playing, playing stickball in the yard with the lads like it was, right. a, like it was a Stephen King story from the 1950s. That is, that is my version of why I like days to be longer. But also right. I'm always afraid when I go out walking at night that some stupid idiot on their phone is going to run me over, which I don't yeah. worry about as much in the day. So, sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and you know, and and riding on your bicycle with your, uh, with your yellow raincoat on, and then saying hello to a clown in a sewer—that's always a fun thing to do. Well, I mean, what's the alternative? It, it would just be ru- it would just be rude not to. Also, <laughs> you know, it's like if you see a if you see a car accident, you turn your head in that direction. If you see a clown down in the sewer, you yeah. probably similarly do. Absolutely. Who can blame especially, you? Especially if he's got a balloon, you can't not say hi to him. You just I can't. don't know. There, there are whole businesses that have giving out balloons to children as a, uh, as an entire part of their business model. I mean, Trader Joe's. If you if you spot the monkey, they'll give you a, 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 a balloon. <laughs> so at a certain point, everyone just wants to be Pennywise the clown. That's it. That's true. All right, uh, Dan Feinberg. Uh, by the way, you, you know, I don't know if we've mentioned this in a while. How long have you been covering the world of TV? Now you've been a part of my. The incarnation of my shows on WGN before I was overnight, uh, uh, full time, and all that stuff. You've been with me for like a decade, right? Um, I have. I I started at zaptoit.com, a Tribune property for those Chicago listeners. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, no longer existing, so it doesn't right. matter at all. Uh, back in, I guess it would be very early two thousand and three. So I have been, I am nearing my 20th year of wow. covering the television industry in a professional capacity. Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's amazing. 20 years. You ever just sit down and go, Jesus, 20 years I've been doing this. Yeah, it, it makes me feel old and perhaps a little <laughs> sad. And uh, But on the other hand, it also it gives me the illusion of expertise just in case my actual expertise <laughs> is not. I can, I can show, my, I can show yeah. my resume, which says 20 years of covering television, <laughs> ergo expert. So, That's right. I know what I'm enough. talking about. I've been doing this for 20 years. That's right. Longe- longevity equals expertise, even that's if right. intelligence does not. That's listen, that's that's what I said when I got my uh when I got my uh plaque on the uh on the uh, the the walk of uh, the walk of fame there at uh outside of WGN. I was like, "Yeah, I've been doing it for too long. They had to give me one. I'm not good." <laughs> but, you know, that's how it, it works. Whatever, whatever it takes to verify you, whether it is a plaque in the ground or eight dollars a month on Twitter, it is. It is all just <laughs> we are, we are all looking for the same things all the oh, time. Oh man, Elon. Oh boy. <laughs> um. All right. Well, uh, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. I, you know, uh, uh, check out the fine print, everybody, and that's F I E N because that's how you spell your last name. F correct. Uh, so it's the fine print F I E N. Uh, from the Hollywood Reporter. Before we get into some of the stuff that we want to catch up on, including uh, last night, not last night, no way, it wasn't last night. It was a couple of nights ago, uh, a Saturday Night Live. We're not this week. This, this, yes, this week. This past week, Saturday Night Live. I want to get into that. And we haven't talked about SNL at all, and there have already been five episodes, and we haven't I'm, talked about it at all. I, each, each time I come on, I, I keep expecting that this is yeah. going to be the week we're going to talk about SNL, but they're keeping too many other things well, to talk about. Well, we're definitely going to make time to talk SNL. But first, um, this uh, recently popped up on your on Hollywood Reporter and on the fine print. Um, I don't even realize that this. I didn't even know that this was a thing. Uh, but there is a docu series about Phil Spector, and how did I not know about this? And I have Showtime. 
How? I mean, how much are you watching Showtime on a regular um, basis, though? Yeah, not as much as I was when the Molly Shannon show was on. But um, <laughs> uh, well, again, I'm, again, I was the only one watching that show. But no, I, I mean, because I was, I mean, I watch uh, Let the Right One In. Um, and uh, I, you know, I watch things here and there. I, I stopped watching American Gigolo. Um, so probably, and when, and probably when, when wise. I, I did also. So when I and, when I do watch the Showtime stuff. Um, I mean, it's the DVR, and so like it, usually I just kind of hit the fast forward until the show actually starts. That would do uh, it. So you're yeah. not, you're just not, you're just not getting trailers, and I think that yeah. that is probably true. I also don't, I don't have a, a clear sense of how heavily they've been promoting it because I, I also. I mean, having watched it, I'm I'm not really sure that they have a sense of how good it is. And I think in large part because even having seen all four hours, I'm not really sure I have a sense of how good it is. So, oh, OK. Yeah. Well, I, it's, I, yeah. it's the, the thing is, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I, I really don't think they've been advertising it because even if I'm not watching as much Showtime as I used to, I certainly knew that Let the Right One In and American Gigolo were there. I mean, even if, you know. Uh, but this, I just haven't, I didn't hear about it until I looked at your piece. I, honestly, See, this is, this is what I am here for as always, both for you and for all the people is, <laughs> it is again, I like to refer to myself as service journalism. So <laughs> it's what I do. All right. Well, <laughs> tell me about Showtime's Spectre. Okay. So Showtime Spectre will have premiered by the time that these people uh, yeah. have, have are listening to this. And also Showtime is doing this thing lately where almost everything has been premiering on Showtime On Demand uh, two days earlier. Like, all of their their Sunday stuff, for the most part, has been premiering on Friday On Demand. So, right. uh, so people have now had several days to listen to it. And it's, I mean, it's very, very self-explanatory. It's, it's a four-hour documentary about Phil Spector, um, both his run as one of the most significant producers in the history of popular music in this country, and the fact that he died in prison having been convicted of murder. So <laughs> got those mm. got those two things going for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's and my review compared it to the W. Kamau Bell documentary uh, from earlier in the year. We need to talk about Cosby, and I think they do somewhat similar things in the sense of trying to do the complicated work that we all find ourselves doing semi-constantly the whole separating the art from the yeah. artist and and all of that and you know it's obviously hard with Cosby it's obviously hard with Phil Spector I think that with Phil Spector perhaps it's a hair easier because kind of the gap in time between the 15 years he was the most significant person in, in popular music. And then when he, according to a criminal court of law, murdered a woman and then spent the last 15 years of his life in jail, there was a long time between them. And he had already gone from being the most significant person in popular music to being a weird recluse who was just kind of almost a punchline of jokes. And so there was a gap that separated the fame from the notoriety, which maybe with Cosby was not quite the same thing because he... Yeah. Yeah. So it, it basically it, it, over four hours, it, it covers his life. Um, the first half is by nature somewhat more balanced towards his his youth and his celebrity and his significance. And then the last half is more focused on on Lana Clarkson, who was his victim, uh, but who is here elevated to actually being a person, which is without any question the thing that the documentary does best. Uh, I, I had problems with a lot of just 
strange things about the documentary. There are stylish reenactments in the first episode, and I'm kind of hit and miss on reenactments to begin with. Yeah. By the way, Dan, uh, I've since since the last time since you actually reviewed it, um, it was our opening film, the A Compassionate Spy. Was ah. uh, was our opening film here at the Chicago International Film Festival, and uh, I ended up, you know, seeing it for that. Um, and I too have major issues with the reenactments in that, and it's something that Steve James never does. Uh, and which I, I don't least... know, which made it more more uh, you know distracting for me. It's definitely distracting in that documentary. For me, in that documentary, it worked because. I don't know. It was the consistent approach. It was, yeah. it was, he, he said, we aren't going to, there's no way we're going to have enough footage to do this. Cause that's always going to be the thing. If you're doing a documentary on a quote unquote, ordinary person, uh, you're always going to be like, okay, if there isn't copious news footage and all of this, whatever out there, what is, what is going to connect the talking heads. And so you either go, I have enough material or I have to compensate for the absence of material. And in that documentary, I, I thought that, there was a consistent style and approach to how they did the reenactment. Yeah. Well, I, my, my, my issue was that he had, you know, like while those reenactments were happening, he actually had people telling the story. Like the, he actually did have the witnesses talking. And but he but he mostly uses I, it to illustrate those things. Yeah, like it, uh, so yeah. like it isn't like there's much dialogue in those reenactments. It's mostly just the here is the thing that we're talking about being being yeah. depicted and yeah. being depicted with a consistent style. So there's a lot of kind of period style right. to it in that film. Right. Um, yeah, I, th- that I with that one in particular, that's the Steve James documentary, A Compassionate Spy. I am right. more on the pro side. In general, I tend to be negative but my policy is almost always if you're gonna do it it has to be cohesive and coherent and consistent otherwise there's just no point and so in this documentary there are reenactments in the first episode and then there are none afterwards the style that they use for the reenactment in the first episode has nothing to do with anything in the rest of the documentary it it feels as if they had a brief window of this public celebrity's life where they didn't have anything and they really just couldn't figure out what to do. And mm. they, and and so they, you know, rather than simply using still photos and going kind of the Ken Burns approach or something, they used reenactments, which are dumb and add nothing and annoyed me there. There are a lot of drone shots going around his man. And there's, there's a lot of stuff like that. And then I, there's always just going to be an issue with a documentary like this on who the talking heads are going to be, because you're basically asking famous people to go on the record on camera. In some cases, talking rhapsodically about a convicted murderer. And that's, that is always going to be something where a large number of people you approach are going to say, yeah, I I would rather not be in your documentary saying Phil Spector was awesome. (laughs) Right. Um, Even if you're just saying Phil Spector and the Wall of Sound were awesome, which is not a controversial statement, though some music people have problems with the sound, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I was constantly being annoyed by things and choices that were made. And so while I appreciated a lot of the pragmatism and a lot of the attempts to reconcile things, I thought that they were done in a way that annoyed me more often than it informed me. But there Mm. it's still it, it. is unquestionably an interesting story and an Mm. interesting fall from grace. And all of the music stuff is interesting. And some of the people who, who pop up talking about the music are interesting. And 
and I did appreciate the talking about Lana Clarkson and talking about sort of why it was so offensive that everyone kept referring to her exclusively as being B movie actress dot dot yeah. dot sort of yeah, and yeah, yeah. and just picking picking apart all of the inherent sexism and snobbery that comes from denigrating a person who whose greatest sin in this case was that she attempted to work as a professional and that was what she did and the fact that hollywood could find no roles for her other than prostitutes and bimbos is as much a reflection on hollywood as anything else and surely not her fault she just wanted to be a person who worked in an industry that she liked and for that she was referred to after her death uh, after her murder as constantly being b-movie actress right which right is just some bullshit, but yeah, it is. You're right. Anyway, so it, it's it's an interesting story. It's a watchable documentary, four hours. It doesn't feel excessively long, which sometimes these documentaries do. I don't quibble with the four hour length on this one. Uh, but in in general, I think I wanted it to be better. I think I was maybe spoiled by just how smart and well handled we need talk to talk about Cosby was. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. All right, and that's out right now. You can watch that. That's streaming, and it's uh, it's on uh, it's on Showtime right now. Hey, speaking of Showtime, have you seen? Um, I know you didn't review it. Somebody else did on uh, Hollywood Reporter. But have you personally seen George and Tammy? Any of that? I have Showtime? not seen. I have not seen any of that yet. Has has that one been renewed by? I mean, reviewed by us? I I don't. Um, I mean, I... yeah. Um, let me, what, what festival did it play at? I, uh, I, I don't know. Let me, I'm, you know, I just had it up now. I, I got, uh, who, who are some of the people that write for you? I mean, for up? the most part for television stuff, it's almost all me and Angie Han. Uh, so um, I don't know. Someone, oh Jesus. I just had it up. Now it's gone. Um, it was, it was like a, Hey, if you like this article, you know, hit it this. Might, it might just have been the news. I, I suspect it was just the news story saying, because it was originally developed uh, at maybe Paramount Plus or something and then migrated over to Showtime and it just okay. migrated over to Showtime. All right. So well, I that's think, probably what it is then. It was probably just an announcement, maybe not a that's, review. That's my guess. Yeah, it was okay. It was originally It was originally produced for, for Paramount Network. Oh, and then, okay. of course, Paramount Network doesn't exactly exist. And then it was going to go to Paramount Plus and then uh, or I guess it exists. It exists for Yellowstone, basically. That's uh, about it. Yeah. <laughs> and and then it ju- and then it just got moved over to. OK. To show. Well, this is the ju- premiere. Uh, Tammy Wynette and George. Uh... Uh, George George uh, uh, Jones uh, uh, documentary or not documentary. indeed with uh, uh, with Jessica Chastain and with uh, Michael, Michael Shannon. Shannon. It's, John... it's a take. It's it's a it's a take shelter reunion is what I'm most excited about. Absolutely, that's, sure. that's the way I look. I look at it as a as a take shelter reunion. <laughs> and 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 fifteen other people will do the same. They're, cause right. they're... <laughs> Hey, look, it, there, there are people who really like Take Shelter. I think Take Shelter is a really, really good movie. So Yeah, it was my favorite, movie of, t- it was my favorite movie of 2011. I just remember that. It um, is a damn good movie. Yes. Okay, so anyway, see, George and Tammy, that, that, i just been distracted by that. So, okay, uh, so the Spectre documentary is out there uh, on Showtime uh, right now. You can check it out. Okay, um, uh, so The White Lotus has premiered since uh, we last uh, talked. Two episodes. For some reason, I have not watched the second one yet. <clears throat> <laughs> Which is for some reason very unusual that on a Tuesday and it aired on a Sunday I would not have watched <clears throat> the White Lotus yet. <clears throat> but I you're saw a, the f- you're a you're a busy man, Nick, a busy man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that has nothing to do with when we're taping this. Uh, anyway, um, so the White Lotus has now two episodes have aired on HBO um, and streaming on HBO Max. You have seen how many episodes of uh, the Mike White Return to White Lotus? Well, it's not called the Return. The, well, the White Lotus. How many of you? Seen? <laughs> 
<laughs> I have seen five of the season's seven episodes. Okay. So God damn you. Uh, okay. I've only seen the first episode, and I'm beyond uh, thrilled uh, with it so far. And it's only I'm only one episode in, and I, I maybe I we've talked about this before. I for some reason uh, I don't know what it is about Mike White. I don't know what it is about the subjects that he writes about, the style in which he writes it. Um, the themes that he writes about. I have no idea what it is, but I love everything the guy writes. It's just somehow his shit speaks to me um, on significant levels. Like I still think Enlightened is one of the greatest shows ever. And I've loved everything since Chuck and Buck. Uh, I, I can't, I like the goddamn wrestling movie, the, uh, the Nacho Libre. Uh, I'll even go with that one. Um, I okay. even like that. I like a Betrice. bridge too I, a bridge too far, Nick. We like, we, part, like, we part ways on this one. I like uh, I like uh, uh, Beatrice at dinner. I like uh, I, what was why am I blanking on the name of the one where Ben Stiller takes his kid to college? Uh, Which um, I've had several people in recent months try telling me is really good. I haven't watched it, but I and I don't know why I haven't watched it. So because it's great, and I'm t- and of course I can't remember the name of it. I'm telling you, it's great, and I can't remember the name of it. But it's the one where Ben Stiller takes his kid back to college. Um, and it, and I think if I remember the, if I remember it, the title rhymes, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll figure it out. But anyway, that I would, just, that would be Brad's status. There it is. That's it. Brad's that status. Does, that was, does not rhyme, Nick. It, it's close. <laughs> it's close. It's got, it's got kind of a rhythm to it. So Brad's status. I love that. Um, I it, like everything the guy has written. I, for some reason, I love the stuff that he's written. And didn't direct. I love the stuff that he writes and directs. And I thought the first season of White Lotus was fantastic. Uh, and I'm all over the first episode. But I, but again, I just have this thing for Mike White. I don't know what it is. He hits me. His stuff hits me intensely. No, and most and mostly I am right there with you. And uh, you know, again with Nacho Libre as a. <laughs> as, a, as a point that I will not follow you, but enlightened, but enlightened is a great TV show. The uh, the first season of White Lotus was in my top five for last year, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, no, I I don't know that I had expectations for how this was going to work. I, I think honestly, the first couple episodes, I was a little less convinced on this season. Like I was still enjoying the cast, I was still enjoying the Sicilian reboot of the setup. Uh, but I wasn't invested. And then probably the last three episodes of the five that I saw, I yeah. was increasingly hooked and ah, okay. increasingly tied in knots because that's a lot of what he does. Is yeah. he? It's it's comedy. It's comedy that twists up your insides and makes yep. you uncomfortable with just about everything. Yep. Uh, and I think that the the you know it just takes it it takes a little while to get used to the cast it takes a little while to get used to the satirical uh topics that he's tackling at any particular moment because i don't think it's exactly the same as the first i think it is a a very different satirical approach i think this season is is definitely still about wealth and privilege obviously but i think it's much more about wealth and privilege and sexuality and sexual roles in modern society. I think it is much more specifically about those things. The first season was also about those things, just secondarily, I would say. Right, right. Um, this, I, as, I, as I've said other places, this season is unquestionably hornier than the first season, to my mind. <laughs> uh, but no, I, you know, it takes, 
took a little while to sort of get accustomed to all of the people and people keep popping up. You know, if you've only seen the first couple episodes, you haven't gotten to Tom Hollander, who shows up at a certain point and is excellent. Uh, he's the sort of floppy British guy who who people have seen before but don't know his name. He's always excellent in things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, by, by the time I got to the third, fourth and fifth episodes, I was I was just loving so many of the performances so much just from, yeah, top to bottom. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've only seen the first episode and I was on board and I did and I did get a vibe, a different vibe just from the first episode. It felt different than than last season, uh, well, just from there, the first episode. I think there felt, are a lot of pra- uh, purely practical reasons why that's the case. The, the first season was made under very specific quarantine conditions. And so the the claustrophobia of, OK, we're going to take over this resort in Hawaii and everything is going to be at this resort that will be our resort. And that is how we are going to be able to make it in COVID times, which was a a great idea. And many other things tried to do similar things and didn't really do them as well. Uh, This is, this is much more, we're going to take a tropical vacation and we're going to be able to take advantage of the scenery. We're going to be able to go places. So subsequent episodes go places within Sicily. Uh, But it's, it's, stunning to look at it is it is so much more eye candy than the first season was able to be and then just all of the actors are are so good uh you know aubrey plaza people enough people already love aubrey plaza i don't need to sing her praises she's great here i think this is just a really good use of her uh, Haley Lou Richardson has been kind of a scene stealer and who's been kind of halfway between the indie world and mm-hmm. the YA world over her career. I think she's great here. And then a lot of the people who I didn't know or who some people didn't know, you know, if people hadn't seen Bold Type, they don't know Megan Fay. Uh, she's excellent here. Can I, can I just uh, mention one that I yeah, think you might sure. mention? Who you want? Uh, uh, Sabrina Impacciatore. I was I was going to get to the Italian. Oh, oh. <laughs> My God. And, I mean, and, and again, I've only seen one episode. For me, standout performance of the first episode is her. I was like, I, you know, and I was looking her up and I was like, okay, she's done a lot of Italian films and she was in the, the uh, Let's Beat the Hell Out of Jesus movie that Mel Gibson made. Um, <laughs> the, uh, Passion of the Passion of the Christ. Um, she was in that. And I was trying to play, and I don't really know her from a lot of stuff. I guess I haven't seen enough Italian films, but my God, is she funny? And is is she good in that first episode? She's very good. And the two uh, younger Italian actresses who play the who play the fledgling prostitutes, yeah. right, 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 um, yeah. are both really uh, wonderful. Uh, uh, Beatrice Grano is one of them, and the fantastically named Simona Tabasco, uh, which is just about the best imaginable actress, a name for an actress who yeah. is both very attractive and playing a prostitute on this show, right. Simona Tabasco. Uh, but no, she, she's fantastic. So full credit to her as an actress, yeah. not just an actress with a, a fun name. I think I think by the fourth and fifth episodes, uh, Beatrice or Beatrice, I'm not sure which version mm. of the pronunciation she goes with. Right, right. Um, uh, Grano, I think she's, I think she's really wonderful, and I think she yeah. kind of becomes one of the hearts of the story. Uh, but yeah, and then you have obviously the people like F. Murray Abraham, who everyone knows, and Michael Imperioli, and mm-hmm. and of course the triumphant return of Jennifer Coolidge, right? Uh, who I'm not a hundred percent sure is necessary, uh, but she's still fun to watch, and she's right. still great doing this thing. It's just not a revelation the way it was last season where it was like, Oh my God, if you, if you take this person who's so usually prone to caricature, but you actually give them a good role, they're fantastic. Uh, Here. She's just kind of doing what she was doing last season, which was great. So 
yeah, um, great cast, lots of funny stuff, lots of cringy stuff, and it, it gets better for me. Okay. Well, it's really great so far. <laughs> so uh, I'm loving it. Anyway, The White Lotus, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's on, and there are seven. There's only seven episodes for the entire season. There were only six last season, so it's Was one there? more. So God. you should rel- you should relish okay. the increase. Well, really quickly, speaking of things that are that are going to be gone, um, the next time we speak, Atlanta will be gone, um, and it will <sighs> be gone forever. Um, and so, two episodes have aired since we last spoke. Um, I texted you after I watched. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I don't mean to bother you when I do that, and I texted you because I couldn't believe. The Goofy movie episode. I just lost my shit. While I, was, I just thought it was... And as soon as it started, I'm like, they are seriously going to do... <laughs> they are actually going to do a mock documentary about the blackest movie ever made. The, the Goofy, Goofy movie. movie. I just... It was so inspired and so brilliant. Um, uh, and again, you pointed... Well, what you texted me was you, you, you questioned the placement of it in the, in the season. <laughs> It was just the last time we talked, we talked about, we talked about two other great episodes. And one of the ones we talked about was the urn and van camping out episode. And one of the things we discussed about that was that it was kind of our first feeling that it represented an episode that says this show is coming to an end. Yeah. And so it indicated, okay, we know that there are certain things that it is incumbent upon us to do right. to pack this show up. And then for the following week to be, okay, this is going to be an entirely standalone episode about the making of the Goofy movie. Right. The only thing it made me do was, is this really the time that we should yeah. have had this episode? And I don't have an answer to that. I, right. I you know, my instinct was probably not. But yeah. on the other hand, is it a great 37 minutes of TV? <laughs> yes. And it yeah. is, is it... Isn't an example of the show committing ridiculously and fully to a bit. Yeah. Totally. And I give yeah. them full credit for that. It is a a deliriously nerdy <laughs> and celebratorily nerdy episode of television. Yeah. And it's smart as hell. It so is. it's great. And then yeah. they follow it up. Speaking of camping, another wilderness episode. Uh, happens not the last time, but this is Paperboy um, out in the middle of nowhere where he's growing his pot um, and he has some issues with nature and a, a tractor and a, a wild boar um, and a, um, a Confederate guy who runs a uh, who runs a hardware store. In the can. <laughs> um, what did you make of, the la- of that last time? I mean, it was. It was fantastic again, but in an entirely weirdly different way. It, it was it was a reminder, and we've talked about this of if you know of Brian Tyree Henry getting frustrated by things is <laughs> always simply great. Yeah, and so the ability to vary the things that Brian Tyree Henry gets to be infuriated by, <laughs> and to say, okay, wouldn't it be funny if we did almost um, a a Green Acres? Right. With only Brian Tyree Henry is, you know, and what if Arnold the pig was feral? Um, yeah, it, it, um, yes. And so watching him and the question throughout the entire episode of just how dark is this going to get? Yeah. Just how dark is this going to get? Yeah. And then it got rather surprisingly intense and it dark. Did. Yes. Uh, <laughs> there's, I some was... scary, there's some scary shit in that episode. There really is. Well, it's, a, it's an important thing for all people to be reminded at all times that feral pigs are good to <laughs> laugh about a little bit, but 
you know, it's easy. It's easy to laugh if you've never been attacked by a feral pig. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. and it's also it's also yeah. really great. The callback of Amazon is just unbelievable. <laughs> uh, it just the whole setup in the hardware store is like you're going to order from Amazon, aren't you? And that the whole callback and what he ordered and how it's used. It's just brilliant, a brilliant setup and payoff. I mean, just it, brilliant. Abs- absolutely. The the arc within yeah. the story was <laughs> yeah. very well done. And just the, kind of the idea of of these little short story episodes, which, of course, last season was entirely based on. And this is another thing that we talked about at the beginning of the season. We talked about sort of the pleasure of, OK, well, now the gang's all back together. We're not just seeing standalone random episodes uh this one was absolutely a standalone semi uh, random episode no right. uh you know only half of the cast and only and only donald glover via phone so right. definitely um very claustrophobic in certain ways but no i i enjoyed it quite a bit and and it's kind of astonishing that we are nearing the end i know i don't know what to make of it. <laughs> it just makes me sad. There's only one episode left, and it, I don't know. I mean, I'm you know, it was. I, I'm glad it exists. I'm glad that uh, we have those episodes to go back and watch over and over again, which I will do, and I have done. Um, but man, and also, I mean, just the the whole, the way the episode was directed, the way it was, how intense it was, and how weird and dark it got. But that, and then again, it, it closes with this hilarious conversation between Earn um, and Paperboy about sunburn. Um, and the whole Captain Phillips thing, I was on the floor laughing. Um, and it was great that it ended on that note because there's some pretty intense, scary stuff in it. And then to have it end in this ridiculous conversation about Sunburn between Paperboy and Urn, fantastic. It was, it was nice to get back a little bit of, of comedy given right. the intensity of the scenes that were before us. Absolutely. Anyway, so uh, Atlanta ends uh, this week. Um, and it'll be, it's, the, it's the series finale is Thursday. Which, which is titled, It Was All a Dream. So we'll oh, see no. how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've talked about before how genius those, those uh, plot summaries that they do uh, on the on the channel guides, how I don't know who does them, but they're hilarious. They are excellent. They're so good. Okay. Uh, well, comedy uh, is what we mentioned. So SNL has premiered. Um, we have new cast members. By the way, the other night, a couple of nights ago, I saw Melissa Villasenor live uh, here in Chicago. She played a place called the Den Theater and did her stand up, and she was uh, charming and funny. And I got her book and I met her and she signed it, and it was awesome. Um, and she was hilarious. She's always been one of my favorites while she was on, and. And obviously she left, you know, and she's happier for it. She went through some mental stuff and she left. She had to leave. Uh, and she's doing her own thing now. She's got this great book out that's a lot of fun. It's called Whoops, I'm Awesome. Um, and she's she was delightful and great. And I had a great time. And then, you know, like after I got home uh, from that, I watched SNL. It was amazing. I got home 20 minutes later. SNL was on. And it was the fifth episode with Amy Schumer, who I'm in the minority on this. I do not think she's funny. Never have. Uh, and Steve Lacey was the musical guest. And uh, so we can talk about that. And we haven't talked about SNL at all. What have your thoughts been about the five um, episodes thus far? It's been a, a weird season. And I think we all knew it was going to be. And everyone has been very upfront about how it was going to be a transitional season regardless. And that was what it was like with all of the exits and with the four new cast members and with the acknowledgement at the start of the season, for example, that Cecily Strong wasn't going to be available for the first few episodes. And yeah. 
definitely since she returned, she's been back for the past two episodes. I, I feel like it's been a, a large boost to the show. And they, uh, this week's episode did a, a sequel or follow up to one of your favorite Cecily Strong bits ever. So oh, did yep. you did you like the sequel to Cecily Strong talks about abortion as much as the original? No, not as much as the original, but um, but I, I mean, uh, yeah, no, I loved it. I mean, I thought it was great. I, it, she did this thing on update Tammy the trucker, and it was a. Uh, sort of a sequel to, uh, you know, it's obviously timely, very timely, considering what's happening uh, tonight <laughs> or today. <laughs> um, um, and, uh, and, it was, and it was fantastic, and I loved it. I did. Um, uh, and so I thought that I did. I thought, I thought it was great. I did. But, but to me, I, I don't know that the writer's room has really locked in in any particular way. And I think there's also there's something strange happening with the hosting situation and I don't know what it is, but there's no way that the five hosts that they've had this season have been anyone's Barbie dream date list of five hosts to start the season. They had the fourth biggest star of Top Gun, uh, the second most popular star of uh, Inish, uh, Inish, whatever it is, that movie Banshees is. of Inishern. Yes. Yeah. Whereas in both cases, they had John Hamm as a guest in the first episode, right. and then right. they had Colin Farrell as a guest in the second, and yet it was still Miles Teller and Brendan Gleeson who were hosting. Right. Um, I know you were not a fan of Megan The Stallion's hosting tenure, oh, which I... Oh, my God. I just, I just don't think it was her fault. I, I really don't. I oh, don't I think, think... No, 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 no. I'm not... I am not squarely blaming her. I just I thought the entire show was a train wreck. I it, I mean every, the writing everything. I don't know. It felt really forced in an attempt for the writers who clearly didn't know how to write for her, and and it wasn't like it was clearly an audience they were trying to grab and failing miserably at trying to do it. It was unbelievably forced. But I just don't know that they know how to write for anyone at this point. Like of the guests, like the Amy Schumer episode. If you can't write sketch comedy bits around Amy Schumer, who is a veteran sketch comedy performer. Right. right. I, I just don't know what you're doing. And none of the stuff that they wrote for her almost felt as if it was written with someone having any awareness of what, and your answer will be different than other people's of what Amy Schumer's strengths are. And so yeah. no, like, and, and, and even though I don't find her amusing, you're absolutely right. Uh, the only, the only thing that came kind of close, uh, but failed. I think, I think the two sketches that came close to kind of, being in the Amy Schumer ballpark was the matzo ball soup thing, um, which didn't work, but was only funny because Keenan. That's the only reason there were any laughs in that sketch. And the big hat thing that uh, that they did with Chloe Feynman and Heidi Gardner. And the and the big hat thing was was and you know a last fifteen minutes of the show yeah, sketch. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a twelve fifty. I mean, and you know, that's complete. Yeah. And I thought it completely worked. Absolutely. I was a little I was a little disappointed because initially I thought it was going to be a, a triumphant return of former porn stars, and I, which has always <laughs> yeah. been one of my favorite. And it was yep. not. Yeah. I, that's what it sounded like too. When it's that in the in the delivery of the lines felt that way. Yeah, and uh, so I so. wish I wish it had been, but it was yeah. not. Uh, but no, so they had they had no clue how to write for her. You know, somewhat ridiculously, I, I don't know that I think that Jack Harlow is talented at anything. I thought he was actually, in terms of sketch participation from a host, I thought he was very much above average. I thought, I, he, yeah, go, I was surprised. I, I agree with you one hundred. Now, as 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 a uh, as an MC. He listened to PM Dawn and learned nothing. 
is is what I is what you know like he he's trying to be Prince B and it ain't happening. But I thought the Joker wedding thing was really fun. I thought that sketch was I, and by the way, Andrew Dismuse has stepped up. Like I I thought he was okay last couple of seasons. You know what I mean? Like I always thought he did okay work. But this the, I I think the end of last season, the second half of last season, and this season so far, Dismuse is hilarious. Now I like I actively think the guy's funny, and I thought the Joker wedding thing was funny. I thought the um, uh, the the uh, the Skechers commercial was on that episode. I thought was great, and I thought uh, Harlow did fine. I thought he 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 acquitted himself. the The whole AA meeting with the Pixar thing, I thought actually worked, and he was funny in that. So and, no, I th- and, I thought he was. I thought he did a terrific job as host. And interestingly, of those sketches that you mentioned, he was actually the focus of several of them, which happened, which is so rare at this point for guest hosts. You look at yeah. the frequency with which guest hosts are there, and they might be the focus of two sketches, and then they're really just pointless background players, and you're like, why did you even bother yeah. with that person? Yeah. Whereas they built sketches around Jack Harlow, and it wasn't it wasn't yeah. bad. So yeah. Credit to him for that. But, you know, they had no idea what to do with Brendan Gleeson. And that frustrated me because he is so talented and also so capable of being funny. Of course. Of course. And and even the stuff that they did with Colin Farrell, uh, like the headshot thing didn't. I mean, that was just like, okay, they can make funny faces. And then they have Brendan Gleeson in a look how much blood we can squirt all over the actors sketch, which, you know what I mean? That what is usually, how is that? I'm okay with that sketch because they do it. They do it at least once per year. They do some variation on it. And no, again, and and, and again, I'm I'm not going to say I didn't laugh at it because I did, but I'm saying like, that's not that Brendan Gleeson, you got Brendan Gleeson and you're going to put him in a costume and just have him shoot blood all over everybody. It's Brendan Gleeson. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, this is a funny guy. Um, And you know, I, I don't know, um, but, but but and then again on the Jack Harlow sketch for me the whole highlight was drunk uncle for me that was like the hot one of the drunk for me the highlight of the entire season so far is Bobby Moynihan coming back as drunk uncle and and calling uh, Joe uh, Seth at one point I almost fell off the couch yes. laughing I just you know. There were there were funny bits to that. I in in retrospect, I sort of wonder if I might have been more amused by the triumphant return of David S. Pumpkins well, if they hadn't yeah. already had Bobby Moynihan in a sketch and yeah. they hadn't already had yeah. Tom Hanks in a sketch. Yeah. There was no reason why you would have those two people back on the show if you weren't going to go exactly. David S. Pumpkins, and of so course. they did, and it was what it was. Yeah. Uh, less funny than the first time around, absolutely. As you would imagine, yeah, yeah. absolutely, uh, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, and so I, I don't know. I thought that the political stuff this season was has been generally sadly dreadful, and you know I yeah. just don't think they have. I, I don't. I, yeah. So here are the things that have stood out for me really quickly. Okay, from the fr- I thought Miles Teller did a good job. I thought the cold open was fantastic with his Peyton Manning. I was like, my God, where did that come from? And I thought they did a nice job. And it was I thought it was kind of a fun way to introduce the new cast members. I thought it was great. Um, I thought that was funny. I thought the whole send a normal DM Instagram game show thing was hilarious. Uh, I thought it was really funny. Uh, I, I thought the whole uh, uh, what's his name uh, from what the, the, the uh, Laverne, Levine uh, Adam Levine thing Adam. was funny. Um, and uh, who else was on the on the oh, oh Army Hammer <laughs> Army Hammer was was just a little weird. So I thought that I loved the Nicole Kidman AMC thing uh on the on the first uh of the first episode i thought that was funny and uh, i i will watch ego and and heidi do anything in the caribbean queens thing had me that was another 1250 that i thought was funny so that first night i thought those were good um 
for Brendan Gleeson, I thought uh, uh, Ego uh, as the Black Mermaid, the Little Mermaid, was really funny. On on, uh, I thought the blonde bit was funny um, because I'm the only person in the world that liked that movie. Um, oh the, God. Okay. Oh yeah. I would disagree yeah. on that one. No, I know everybody <laughs> hates it. I'm the only person that liked it. Um, and I thought that the the film sketch that they did about advice to the new cast members was great. And of the new cast members, the one that sticks out for me right now is Molly Kearney. Uh, they are fantastic. They, uh, I think they are, they are separate from the other cast members in terms of, like, they seem to be the only one who's not doing stand-up. Like, all the other ones are, have a stand-up background, and they keep doing stuff on update. You know, like, they come out and they do bits of their stand-up on update. Molly Kearney is, like, doing weird character stuff, and she was hilarious in that new cast advice film that they did. And so they, they, they were hilarious on that. And, yes. and so I don't know. I, I, I think they are the best cast member of the new, of the new one, the one uh, that's showing the most promise. I, th- I think so. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want the show to simply be putting Molly Kearney into the background of sketches that they probably that someone probably thought were 80 Bryant sketches like I don't want that to be the thing that the show figures out how to do with them um but on the other hand I definitely uh I've been laughing more at them than anyone else but I think that the show has done a a decent job a better than normal job of actually integrating Michael Longfellow and Marcello Hernandez just into sketches in general. I, I feel like they've already forgotten that Devin Walker exists at all. And, uh, and yeah, that's true. After, yeah. after five weeks, it feels a little fast for that to have happened, but yep. Yep. It, you know, it, there, there are only so many people and there's only so much time. And you, you maybe at the beginning you get more time because Cecily Strong is out and, and I don't, I'm not going to have any problems if the show feels like it wants to lean on Heidi Gardner, Chloe Feynman and Ego Notum because I think that they're great. And so that is fantastic. And that is a good core for the show to work around, but they still have to find ways, you know, and and I think that probably Sarah Sherman probably deserves more than just, (laughs) uh, than just to be the obligatory last 15 minutes of the show. Here's my crazy shit that I decided to to do. Like the (laughs) The uh, eyes thing. Yes. The, (laughs) the eyes thing is, is absolutely the thing that comes up where, where that was a, that was a funny, crazy thing that could only have happened in the last 15 minutes of an episode. And sure. God bless her for having, that but it's not it's not the same as right actually using her throughout and it's always the thing the thing the show does where it takes a while to assimilate the truly bonkers people the you know fred armison for example used to be that guy for for like his first four or five years he could only get into the last five minutes of an episode right and then he got assimilated and was dramatically right. less. Will funny Forte is another became... one. Will, Will Forte is another guy. Forte, Forte yeah. is another. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. So, but it, the cast remains very good. And and while I do miss some of the people who left, I, I continue not to think that the show has a lack of talent. They just need to find better ways I, to use them. Yeah, and. I, the the hosting thing remains weird. I just don't believe I, that. I think they're having trouble getting hosts this year, and I don't know why. I think it's. I mean, I agree with you 100. percent Everything you're saying, I agree with you 100. percent It'll be really interesting. I guess now after every election, they have to have Dave Chappelle. I guess okay. that's what the deal is. is Apparently, that- and if and if <laughs> and look, the show the show obviously, Lorne Michaels has no problems whatsoever with yeah. alienating whatever portion of an audience 
things alienate at any particular reason uh, at any particular moment. And so yeah. he knows that there's a percentage of the audience out there that's like, Dave Chappelle, again, at this moment, is that really the thing you want to uh, yeah. slash need to do? Yep. And I think that is my reaction at this point as well. Just me too. Why do you need to go there? Well, it's yep. just not necessary. But I agree. I agree. on the other hand, he is still a more consistently funny person than a lot of the people they've had this season. And in theory, the writers know how to write for him. So right. we'll, we'll see, but I'm not in any way looking. I, I would have preferred that they just got someone else to host, but uh, I agree. Yeah. I, when knows. I heard about, when I saw the, uh, the upcoming coming next week, Dave Chappelle, I was like, Oh man. And not well, because I don't, you know, you know, obviously Dave Chappelle's a controversial figure and you know, the past like couple of years have been, you know, uh, interesting to say the least for him. Um, uh, but, you know, obviously he's a, he's a comedic, you know, genius and, you know, the show was amazing and incredibly historically and all that stuff. But again, I felt the same way. I was like, no, really? You know, you're going to do this after midterms. You got to have this guy. Is that what you're going to do? You know, my, my reaction actually was, wait, it, it does that mean it's a repeat? And right. then I had to be like, and then I had to go and then I had to go and right. see who had actually been the musical guests in right. his various episodes, because right. I wasn't sure if if I simply forgot that Dave Chappelle had hosted and that Black Star had been the musical guest in right. one of those <laughs> right. one of those years. But the answer is no, this no. is apparently yeah, a, a new episode. It's, it's a new yeah, episode, I, yeah, I just assumed they were re-airing the, the 20. 2020 election or the 2016 election or yeah any of the others but no the yeah. new episode so well i mean I, I again i you know i watch it religiously i've watched it since october 1975 i'm not gonna stop <laughs> i'm not gonna stop now um but yeah i mean it, it, I, I will say this though um one of my favorite things all season was was on uh this week's episode and that was the uh the the covid commercial i thought the covid commercial was brilliant and ho- absolutely hilarious uh, and sort of spot on and sad, and I think brilliant. Uh, where, where do you stand on the? On the oh on no, I, 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 I laughed. I thought it was. I thought it was funny. Uh, I think they're probably to me. It, I think it needed a, a, one more gear to rise to the level of brilliant. Like I definitely yeah. thought it was funny, and I thought the timing of everything within it and a couple of the jokes within it, I thought were. were no, I, I laughed, and yeah. and I laughed more at it than probably just about anything else in the show, other yeah. than. Other than sort of the laugh and cry reaction to Cecily Strong's weekend update yeah, thing, of course, which, yeah. you know, was was not laughing in the same way. But. Right. Well, I mean, the thing about that, and the, and and I will say this: it was a very nice use of Sherman. Uh, she was not a weirdo in that, um, except for someone. Well, except for someone who wants COVID, which is weird. But uh, but like she did not. There was no body issues. She didn't have meatballs singing on her body at all, which of course was genius. Um, but yeah, no, I thought, I thought that was a nice use of everybody. And, 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 you know, you were talking about not being able to write for, for, uh, Amy, uh, for Amy Schumer. Uh, she wasn't in that. <laughs> it was the funniest thing of the night and she wasn't in it. So maybe they, I don't know, maybe they did that some other time and they just popped it in. That would, that would be my guess. And I yeah. feel like there are probably things of that ilk that have i mean that's just what happens with with the filmed bits is sometimes yep. you can work the uh sometimes you can work the guest into the film bit and other times for whatever reason not yep. but no that that was definitely a highlight of of the episode yeah, so. without any question all right well uh, we got that to look forward to are you working on anything that we can talk about ne- what are you going to be watching what are you what are you looking forward to that we're going to talk about the next visit in a couple just weeks? a lot of stuff coming out it's gonna be interesting to see the timing of our next visit and we'll need to talk about that off air as it were um yeah but uh, just a lot of stuff coming out by, by the end of the month. So either, um, we're going to be able to talk about things like Wednesday, Netflix's Wednesday Adams show on our next visit, or we'll talk about it 
afterwards, whatever the case is. Uh, there's just a there's a lot of TV. I'm currently watching episodes of uh, Netflix, not Netflix, of FX's star studded uh, Fleischman is in trouble, which is based on a very good book. Right. It has right. Jesse Eisenberg and Lizzie yeah. Kaplan and Claire Danes and Adam yeah. Brody. Really good cast. And I can't say anything about it because of embargoes. But next gotcha. time, almost certainly I will be. The, the next time that we are scheduled to uh, to to talk and uh, the episode will drop will be on the 22nd of November. So it'll be, I think I am going to be unable to make that, but we'll talk off air. Okay. We'll figure something out. All right. Okay. Well, Dan, always a pleasure. My friend, thank you very much. Everybody check out the Hollywood reporter and the fine print F I E N always a pleasure. Glad we were able to, uh, very detailed, uh, get caught up on, uh, on SNL. <laughs> and next time we'll also be able to talk about the, the ending of Atlanta. So that's right. Oh, pour okay. one out in advance. <laughs> exactly. All right, Dan, thanks buddy. Till later. Take care. There you go. Uh, Dan Feinberg, Hollywood reporter, The Fine Print, F-I-E-N. Always fun to talk TV with Dan. Speaking of fun, it's the one and only Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esma. I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esmeralda. Esmeralda, Esmeralda Leon. When you hear that, you know it's time to talk with Esmeralda, and we say hello. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? All right. How was your weekend? I know it you was, just you were uh, still you were still kind of recovering from Iceland, maybe. Yeah. Um. It hasn't been too bad. Just um, essentially early nights. Yeah. That's what's been happening. Just getting, just getting tired. Essentially, when p- normal people get tired. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. So, did you do anything over the weekend? Um, we actually laid low. We didn't really do much. Um, I know Colin had to work, so um, we just kind of hung out at home. Hmm. Um, I went to go see uh, Melissa Via Senor. Nice. Uh, and I met her after the show, which was nice. Oh, cool. Yeah. She's lovely and she's a sweetheart. And she signed my book. I bought her book called Oops, Whoops, I'm Awesome. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And she's so funny and so amazing. And, uh, you know, I miss her on SNL, but like mm-hmm. mentally, health wise, it was a good decision for her. Yeah. Um, she was did not she happy. talk about it or she did. was it just straight no, comedy? No, she, no, no, no. She talked about it. And I mean, she made it funny, mm-hmm. but she right. did talk about it for sure. Um, and, you know, because she said, yeah, I'm, 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 I left from Saturday Night Live. Like one of the first it's actually one of the first things she did when she came out on stage. She's like, I, uh, you know, I'm, I, I left Saturday Night Live and, and everybody went, oh, and she's like, yeah, but I'm happy, man. And everybody was like, OK. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she's fantastic. And she was telling this um story about how she was re- she was off Twitter for a while and then she was back on it mm-hmm. and um they've got a new uh you know uh they've got a new latina on um on SNL now and someone tweeted that she was much more genuine latina than that mexican <laughs> than that mexican wow. wannabe Melissa Villa Senor and so Melissa Villa Senor was like well I, you know I guess that's okay because like I really you know um 
when I was when I was reading that, I was like t- learning. I was actually learning uh, Spanish on Zoom because she was like she. And I think this was a bit because I think she knows Spanish. But she was mm-hmm. like, I was learning Spanish on Zoom, and I was only up to the numbers. And she was like talking. She was counting. She was going uno, and then like crying because she was upset about the tweet. <laughs> and it, dos, and then she'd cry some more tres, and she'd cry a little bit more. And she's like, and then I realized that that would be a really really good episode of. Um, of a novella, um, and uh, and so she, then she acted like she was in a, uh, uh, you know, one of the uh, one of the Mexican novellas, soap operas, uh, saying uno, uh, you know, and dos, and like crying yeah. while she was <laughs> while, crying while she was trying to count, and it was just hilarious. Um, but no, she was great. She did you know some great impressions. I mean, she uh, she came out. He opened. She opened the show, saying that you know she does like self affirming stuff. Like uh, she talks to herself. Um, you know, to give to give herself confidence, mm-hmm. but she says I don't like to do it in my voice because I sound like a five year old. Because you know, Melissa Villasenor's got she's like, and it sounds like it doesn't sound good. So I do it as Dolly Parton. So she did these life affirming <laughs> things because she nice. does an unbelievable Dolly Parton, like like yeah. shocking. And so she did that. She did a bunch of, of her other imitations, and she did do the. Uh, did you uh, see the thing that she did last season when Selena Gomez was the host, where they did Pika Pico? Uh yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> Where it's like that's sad when they did the whole like oh that's sad oh uh, that thing yeah. well she did that character and talked about how um people found it offensive and she's like well you know fuck you I'm that person I grew up with these people in L A <laughs> I'm Mexican I can get away with this and and so like she was like because people were like offended but oh it's offensive and and she was like it was hilarious that most of the people who were offended by it were white. <laughs> So anyway, they, oh, that's sad. And she did that character, and it was great. She was she was great. She was really really funny. And she sang a song that she wrote because she's going to release an album, like oh, wow. a legit, not a parody song. You know, like a straight mm-hmm. up song. And she's got like a oh, really cool, cool, got a really beautiful voice, and she did a great. And it was packed. And um, and boy, the, the, is the Den Theater different than it used to be when I? Uh, oh actually, yeah, <laughs> we used to put we used to put shows up there. Like I directed a show that was up at the Den. And now it's a full-on, like, completely different. They moved the space up onto Milwaukee. The entrance used to be around the corner. Mm-hmm. Now it's on Milwaukee, and there's, like, a bar and a lounge, and they've got a little stage. And then the main theater is perfectly set up for stand-up, like, perfectly. Um, yeah, so it was cool. And and everybody was in a great mood, and, you know, and um, you know they got all this fancy shit now. And I don't know if they have this at Zany's. Maybe they do have this at Zany's when we do our show at Zany's. Look at that, how I segued. Oh, professional! <laughs> you know, as what well do the, they what do they have at the Den Theater? At the Den Theater, that they might have at Zanies. Is you know, um, for some reason, I, I my phone does not. What do they call those things that you're supposed to scan to get menus? You know, the uh, what do they call those? A code. QR code. Okay, the QR code. For some reason, my phone doesn't work when I do that. I don't know what if I have to have it in a different mode. But every time I like put it in the camera mode and I put it on one of those things, nothing gets done. Like it doesn't download okay. anything. You're not. Are you, wait, are you literally using the camera? I'm. I. 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 I aren't we? Aren't you supposed to put it on the camera? No. This whole. What do you do? It's so you use Google Lens. Google Lens. Yeah, you don't use your actual camera. The cam that does nothing. You're just taking a picture of it. <laughs> yeah. No. I'm I, okay. So Google Lens is what I'm supposed to use. Right. So um, at least on my phone, I have I I have a widget. That's the Google search bar. And on on that, 
I can type in whatever to search. And next to it is a microphone where I can yeah. hit it to talk. Yeah, I have that but There's as well. also a little, okay, there's also, at least oh, does. it has a little camera icon. Oh. And so if then you tap I, that. Look at that. Now I'm doing will, it right now. Yeah. I wish I had a, a UR code in front of me right now, but I don't. <laughs> Um, okay, well then I'll do, I'll use that next time. But anyway, um, and you also you have the app as well. I think it's either the, called just Google Lens or Lens. Yeah, um, I, but yeah, but you're I, not supposed, you don't use your actual camera because that got, does not. Okay, work. okay. Well, I, now I thank you because I mean, I Google mm-hmm. is the, that's the search thing that I have on my on my page. Yeah. Uh, so then, yeah. Anytime there's a QR code, you can just hit the little camera. Okay. Cool. I'll do that thank uh, you. icon on your Google search bar. All right. Good. I just thought it, my phone didn't work, but it does. I mean, it, it's me that doesn't work. Um, <laughs> so, but anyway, um, so they have now. Um, they give you a little card when you go into to, to the den because uh, mm-hmm. at these at you know a lot of these shows it's a two drink minimum, and I think that's the case for our show too. I think it's a two, a two or a two item minimum. Yes. Yeah. Um, Usually, yeah. You don't have. It doesn't have to be alcohol. And yeah, it, well, it wasn't because it, you know, it wasn't it that case for pop. me. Yeah, it was soda <laughs> pop for me. Uh, <laughs> but they have this thing now where you can like, they give you a little card with the with the thing on it, mm-hmm. the UR code, and then you hit that, and then what you do is you put in your drink. A menu pops up. You put in your drink and your seat number, so you don't even have to order it. They bring it right to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, this is I. I don't get. I haven't. I haven't gotten out in a long time, Esmeralda. So I'm not. You know what I mean? Like I don't go to. I don't go to clubs or nightclubs or bars. Um, and so like they did that, and then my uh, mine didn't work, so I had to put my order into the to the <laughs> to the to the, uh, to the waitress. Say, look, just yeah. bring me t- just just bring me two ginger ales now, and you don't have to bother with me for the rest of the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? I tipped her, and I was like, just bring me two ginger ales now, because there's my two drinks. Right. So bring me two ginger ales. <laughs> Um, so, but anyway, I, you don't even have to do anything. You just, you know, you click onto it, you get, you take your phone, you put in your order, you put in the seat number and then they bring, they bring you your drinks. Yeah. It's nice just because you can do it whenever you feel you don't have to. And, and not only that, down. not only that, if it's a comedy show, you don't have to talk to the waiter or the wait staff. Mm-hmm. Silence. And Silence exactly, is golden. <laughs> exactly. It's just, you know, boom, boom, boom. They bring, And so it'll be silent while we're on stage on Tuesday, November 15th. I don't know if you knew that or not, Esmeralda. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Tuesday, November 15th, <laughs> 7.30, Zanies and Rosemont, me and Esmeralda live on stage. My dad, by the way, um, I heard my dad's going to tell a, a few jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's sad. Does he have a tight five ready? He's he's got. I I we we went through it. Let me just tell you this: he's gonna kill. Oh, nice. My, he's gonna. I kill. mean, he was. And, he's gonna anyway. Like, there's right. no. There's no, no doubt. You can't be a jag off to an 81 year old man telling jokes. You know what I mean? Like you've already. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're just an asshole if you're being critical of my 81 year old father on stage telling jokes. You know yeah. what I mean? But he's genuinely going to kill. Um, I heard I heard the jokes, and he's going a little blue on one. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he was going insane. blue a little well, bit. I, like I, he, I, he, you know, he wavers. He does waver. Sometimes Listen, they're like very, the very fir- heartwarming, and then sometimes like, yeah. oh, okay. no. The, the first dirty and offensive jokes I ever heard came out of my father's mouth when I was a very young oh, man. There so there you go. Yeah, but anyway, so so it's me, Esmeralda, on stage doing the show. Uh, we're going to do uh, a bunch of stuff with the audience. We've got trivia questions. We're giving away prizes. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, of course, uh, uh, Jason Skaggs is flying in from Houston for one night to do all yes. of the theme songs live. We're going to get to hang out with him. So cool. 
and uh, and all that stuff. And you can place your drink orders quietly and uh, and all that yeah. stuff. Um, so tickets are on sale right now. Eight four seven eight one three zero four eight four Tuesday, November fifteenth. We're just a week away. It's one week away. I know it's exciting. Oh, it's so exciting! And and really, everybody, let's pack the place. Rosemont.zanies.com. Get your tickets now. Um, it's going to be a blast. And our secret uh, guest, our surprise guest, mm-hmm. uh, who could be called a patriot, who is very artistic, who if you give this person mm-hmm. a dime, that person might tell you some stories, like dime stories. Um, lifelong Chicagoan uh, is very excited. We we spoke, and I, and I told I'm, this person. I'm glad. And he's he God. Damn it! I keep giving up the. I keep giving away the sex. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, this person is very excited, so uh, yes. it's going to be a great night, and uh, I hope everybody comes out. Uh, we really want to pack the place, and if 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 you know if a lot of people show up, um, Zanies is like, yeah, we'll do it regularly. So wouldn't that be cool as well to cool. like do it maybe yeah, once a month? Of course, awesome. So let's make this a regular it. thing. Let's make it successful. Tuesday, November fifteenth, Zanies and Rosemont Nick D podcast live eight four seven eight one three zero four eight four or rosemont.zanies.com. It's going to be fun. And we're going to do a taste test, Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. And we're excited about that. You know, the holidays are coming up. Um, so we're yes. going to do some holiday-flavored, specially holiday-flavored items. And we'll share some with the audience. Yeah, we'll get all the opinions. Yes. So we'll have some <laughs> candies that are Christmas-flavored and some treats that are, like, holiday-flavored and some stuff that might taste like shit. So we'll try that out. Right. <laughs> Which is that's what we want. We want the audience to taste. <laughs> we don't want things that shit. taste good. That's right. Yeah, yeah. man. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. 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 So, so he's going to be there live. That's 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 him. Yeah, he he can have his chorus of voice. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> So uh, anyway, and then I don't know. I bet some people are going to say this. Damn it, Nick! I mean, that's inevitable. And some people, you know, I did see. Sorry, I did. You know, funny enough, you just said that one, or you uh, played that asthma one. I'll give you asthma. Uh, Caddyshack was on TV, (laughs) and I I watched it, but I I think I missed the bit. I missed that bit. I was waiting for it, and I didn't see it. Uh, I was like, it was pretty far in. Oh no, it's that's a that yeah. this happens. I'll give you asthma early in the movie. It's in the first. Ah, okay. It's a f- first like twenty minutes. It's in, that's in the. First yeah, movie. I didn't think. I'll I give you asthma. I was yeah. gonna see it. Yeah, it's but a throwaway. Like, oh. it, it's a quick. It's a throwaway <laughs> line, but it's it does happen pretty early in the movie. Uh, this well, is not. You know, in the movie. I think I broke my ass. That's not as in much the movie. as it's a throwaway line though. If yeah. you do a little search online, you find videos of people just clipping that bit. So. Oh yeah, no, no, no. It's a clipping Esmeralda, let me just let me just people uh, enjoy that. Well, let me let me just say this though, uh, Esmeralda, as as a fifty seven year old uh, man, um, we all know every line of that movie. Like it's oh, right. it, no, it's, of course, it's of course. one of those movies where yes, I mean this obviously. I'll give you asthma. But it's one of like, and I'm not kidding, one of probably five hundred lines that people <laughs> <laughs> people repeat and know from that movie. Like I literally know every line of Caddyshack, um, and I've I've said this before. Um, you know, when I was younger, uh, like in my 30s, or you know, I was like, look, if you're in a room full of people that you don't know, if you're like mm-hmm. around, you know, you're you're like in a room full of people, you're around my age. Let's say you're of my generation, and you're in a room with people that you don't know. Throw out a line from Caddyshack or Stripes or Animal House, and you will break the ice because someone will give you the response line. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially Caddyshack. Like everybody yeah. knows. 
I mean, if you it, guys mostly because we're all idiots, you know, and like that's what we do is memorize. I'm amazed there isn't uh, there isn't like a Rocky Horror style viewing of Caddyshack where people just yell. (laughs) We got rained. We got rained out. I was going to do an outdoor screening of it Mm -hmm. um, outside of the Caddyshack, uh, the the Caddyshack restaurants. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I I had you know I used to when I was doing screenings when I was hosting my film club at the Rosemont, the AMC Rosemont, Mm -hmm. which by the way is right around the corner from Zany's. No. Uh, the Crown Plaza has the Murray Brothers Caddyshack uh, restaurant and bar. And we used to do a deal with them. Like, if you came in with your ticket, my, my movie ticket, you could get, like, a, a discount on your dinner and some free drinks or something. Mm-hmm. So we had a tie-in with them. And then when we talked to management. We were like, why don't we set up, because we used to set up for the flashback weekend in that courtyard right outside. That's where they would set up the outdoor screen, and we would watch movies for flashback yeah. weekend. And so we set up a thing. We were like, okay, well, let's do an outdoor screening at Caddyshack. And it rained out. We got rained out. There was like a, a typhoon, huh. a tornado. It was horrible. Oh, no. So, <laughs> so the people who did show up, we, we sent out cancellation notices. And there were people who did show up. So we showed it inside the restaurant on the screens all over hmm. the place. And they, they pulled down people just screen. yelling. Yeah. And we lines. were yelling. But also it was weird because like there were people there who weren't going to you know, there were just regular patrons there. Right. You know they I mean? were just eating. They were just People eating. Were and all of a sudden, you know, there's, yeah. And there's, there's F-bombs, there's tits in Caddyshack. You know what I mean? And I'm like, well, there's kids. <laughs> you know but what then I mean? also you're in, what's the, what did you say? The theme of the restaurant? Is? It's Caddyshack. It's the, I mean, well, there you go. So yeah. you know what you're getting into. <laughs> well, we would hope so. But I mean, like, I was like, Ugh, I felt a little weird. Cause there's a notorious like nude scene that Cindy Morgan has that I spent a lot of time freeze framing and rewinding when I was 16. <laughs> Um, and I'm not kidding. Um, and so I was like, oh, here comes this titty scene. We might want to, cause there were kids like running around and I'm like, uh, uh, ugh. you know, <laughs> I just, it was very weird. It's like family restaurant. All of a sudden there are Cindy Morgan's breasts on screen. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, uh, I saw Caddyshack in a midnight show at the music box many, many years ago. And it mm-hmm. was sort of like a, a shout and return. Um, well, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, although I did have to leave, I will tell you this, Esmeralda. I did have to leave Bruin View when they showed um, Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to leave because, like, I wanted to see the movie. I didn't want to hear a bunch of drunk douchebags doing bad British accents saying every Oof. fucking line. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, I got to get the hell out. By the time we got to the Knights of Knee, I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here now. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't want to yeah. hear these. You know what I mean? A bunch of white douchebag, you know, Wrigleyville Jagoffs doing bad British accents saying every line from a Python movie. I'm like, I got to get out of here now. You know? Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, it's too much. <laughs> now, did I ever tell you about the, the, like, the coolest Bruin View ever? Besides the stuff that I hosted uh, there? Uh- not sure what was it. Have you seen Have you seen the movie Big Night? Uh, the with Stanley Tucci. Yes, Stanley Tucci. <laughs> uh, Stanley uh, yeah. Tucci and uh, Tony Shalhoub. Yes, and Campbell Scott, and it's you know Louis Prima is going to come to the restaurant, big Italian restaurant, and they're brothers, and they run mm-hmm. the restaurant. Okay, it's a it's an incredible movie, a beautiful movie, and it's a movie that if you are not hungry when you see it, you fucking certainly will be while you're watching it. Like, it's really, like, the, the the dinner that they serve, all that stuff that they serve is insane. Yeah. yeah. So, Bruin View got a deal with an Italian restaurant. There used to be an Italian restaurant across the street right next to the, to the whatever that is, the Walgreens or whatever. It's on the corner, mm-hmm. Sheffield and Belmont there. 
directly across the street from Brew and View at the Vic, there used to be this Italian restaurant. And they had a deal where you could pay ahead of time and see Big Night and then after the movie walk across the street and get the exact meal oh, that cool. they that they just showed in the movie. Oh, that's awesome. It was amazing. I can't I, I know it was a it was a pretty penny that you had to spend because it's a, not a small meal and it was a fancy yeah. meal. But it was really my ex wife and I went and it was literally one of the best nights ever we saw this amazing yeah. movie no but that's this- a really that's a really cool um tie-in it is it's a great idea you know especially to do the exact menu that's cool. yeah yeah and they brought it out course by course exactly how they did in the movie oh my god and oh, if you've never cool. seen the movie i mean you've never seen the movie, it's a great movie and really a beautiful yeah. film with one of my favorite final shots ever just the two brothers sitting there eating after they have this big fight and they just kind of put their arms around each other don't say a word they just kind of put our, their arms around each other and they just eat, and that's the end of the movie. Because after they have this big, like, almost fist fight, mm-hmm. and then they're silently just put their arms around each other. It's beautiful. It's oh, I'm getting choked up. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, but then Burundview had a deal where you could go across the street and have that meal. Amazing. That is so cool. Yeah. I love that idea. So the meal that you were talking about the last time that we spoke, you know, you were in Iceland for a, uh, a wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and the meal you had at the wedding was pretty, was it, was it any, was it, were there any specialties? I know that, you know, like uh, I know that Colin had fermented shark, and you had whale while you were right. there. But the but that the, was, me- yeah. the meal at the wedding was it pretty standard? The wedding meal. The wedding meal was a very Icelandic meal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now I'm trying to think what it was. It was a country pate was the starter, um, which kind of felt like I thought it was going to be like a dip. You know, pate like a smear onto a cracker yeah, pate. Yeah, that's what that's what I think. But it was, is, yeah. but it was like a meatloaf slice, really uh, wrapped in in like some kind of bacon, some kind of okay. bacon esque mm. thing. Oh god! Um, it was nice, but very heavy. It was a very heavy. It was a very heavy meal for a starter. I feel like the Icelanders, yeah, <laughs> they eat man. Eat when very eat. heavy. Yeah. Okay, I'm good with that. <laughs> um. <laughs> It was so that was the starter, and then the second meal was beef cheeks, as well as um, beef tenderloin. Oh God! On the same to, plate. I think I need <laughs> again. To, I think I think I need to move to Iceland. Yeah, maybe. Oh, my God! Uh, it was beef cheeks and beef tenderloin, and then it had a sauce, essentially like a gravy that was made up of shallots and some other vegetable, and I can't remember. But it was just like oh. it was a gravy, essentially. And then the <laughs> the dessert was a chocolate. Um, I don't think it was cake. It was like, a, or it might have been cake, but it was very dense. It was a very rich oh, chocolate cake. It was very heavy. <laughs> oh man, I I was I was honestly kind of wishing there was um sitting next to me was one of their friends who doesn't eat meat, so he got a different menu completely and yeah. i was kind of like that looks really nice because <laughs> i was yeah. just like this is so much heavy heavy meat yeah oh that um, sounds like a dream meal <laughs> his was nice this was like oh, sauteed mushrooms and they're like these mm. big giant like oyster mushrooms and um and then he had like a cauliflower steak which looked lovely it was it was yeah uh, his was quite nice i had a bite of his and it was yeah, it was tasty. Yeah, but ours was it, good it, too. It was just a little not, heavy. It's not. It's just not a little meat, heavy. Though. I mean, that's not meat. I don't care what anybody says. It's not meat. I remember we did a taste test. Uh, um, I don't know. Maybe we're. I don't know if you were there, 
where we did like an imitation. They brought in the the sliders when sliders had the impossible when they debuted the impossible sliders. Uh, no, I did okay. not do that. No. Um, well, they brought them in. I, don't, I can't remember who who. Oh you know, yeah, this was. Uh, I can't remember who who came in, but they came in with the sliders. So we had mm-hmm. regular sliders, and, and I could just tell by looking at them. I was like, that's not. This is the fake slider. Right. <laughs> I mean, I can't. So, and then I tasted it, and it's like, eh, eh, you know, all right. But it's still not meat. You know it's not meat. And you can always, I, all these people are like, oh, man, you can't tell the difference. I can fucking tell the difference. Every time I eat something that's like fake meat, I'm like, no, that's not meat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can tell. I don't, you know, like, okay, it's good. It tastes good, and it's, I guess it's okay, but it's not meat. Um. You know, it's like it's like I can always tell. It's like I always go back to the uh, to that scene in The Fly. You remember mm-hmm. uh, the scene in The Fly where um, before they put the monkey before he puts the orangutan through the. <laughs> through I haven't the tr- seen it. So. The, oh, you haven't seen The Fly? No. <laughs> oh God, Esmeralda! Oh, you got to see it. It's so great. It's amazing. It's one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, I took a girl on a first date to see that movie, and it actually turned out okay. <laughs> um, but at one point, they put a stake through the teleporter. Okay. And then they cook it, and this, the and and uh, the take the steak tastes synthetic, like you can tell the difference. That's mm-hmm. how I, I always refer. I always refer to the synthetic <laughs> steak scene in the fly. That's how I always. It's like, no, I'm sorry, that's the steak from the fly. So I don't know, but that's also because like a synthetic steak goes through. The, like also, I was I remember I was at this bar one time, and I was with a couple of my buddies, uh, and this was in the early '90s, Esmeralda. So. Mm-hmm. This was at a time when, in the early 90s, I mean, you were young in the early 90s, so you were like 10, probably 9 or 10 when this, when this would have occurred. So you were not hanging out in bars at this time. But no. there was a time like around 92, 93, when you went to a bar that had the jukeboxes before the computer jukeboxes, so it was mm-hmm. just like CD jukeboxes, where every bar that you went to had the fucking commitment soundtrack on it. Every bar had the commitments soundtrack now i love that movie i got sick of the soundtrack because i bartended at that time and you know how sick you get of, of, mm, yeah, of yeah. cds as well <laughs> when people play the whole goddamn thing over and over again um and so someone played uh try a little tenderness from the commitments which is a per- now, you've seen the commitments right uh yes yes okay so the Irish band that they 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 become popular. They do soul covers and you know uh, mm-hmm. black music from America and blah blah blah. It's a terrific movie, yeah, I, I, a wonderful film. But the soundtrack was like way too overplayed at bars. And so my, myself and like two of my buddies and another guy, we were at a bar and all of a sudden the Try a Little Tenderness comes on, and it's the Commitments cover of the classic Otis song. And and it, and by this point we were all like, God damn it, we were sick. Like every time it came on, we were like, Oh, you know. And so this guy says, yeah, you know what? This version is better than Otis's version. And I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, <sighs> what you're thinking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I was about to smash a chair over his head. I was like, are you out of your yeah. fucking mind? I was about to smash. And listen, the, the commitments version is fine. It's great. You know, the, the fantastic Irish ginger who sings it has an amazing voice. It's awesome. I've seen the commitments mm-hmm. live when they did the tour. I saw them live. I think they're fun. But it's not even remotely close to Otis, you know? So he says, yeah, I think the Otis, this is better than the Otis version. And all of us were, like, ready. Like, the three of us were ready to kill him. And then one of my friends was like, take it easy, take it easy. And then he said, you remember that scene in The, th- in the, in the Fly where they take the steak 
and they put it through the teleporter. That's the commitments version <laughs> of, <laughs> of try a little tenderness. It is the tra- it is the uh, it is the teleported steak from the fly. And I was like, that's the greatest analogy I've ever. <laughs> So anytime there's like a remake of something or anytime someone redoes something and it's not as good, I always refer to it now thanks to my friend Matt O'Neill uh, who said that. That's the teleported steak from the fly. So that's, that's, so anytime you, you know, something is an imitation, Esmeralda, yeah. you, you just use the, use the analogy of it's the teleported steak from the fly. <laughs> so, um, but Okay. So your, the wedding was really great. Now they didn't do anything weird at the yeah. wedding. It was a, it was it was just sort no, of a straightforward. There was fun no, wedding. there was like twelve of us total. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. So I, I I you know because you were going to a wedding and uh, you know and obviously it was a it was a great wedding and I and I will be going to a wedding in two weeks. Uh, oh, look at the, you! The great Tom Hush, executive producer of the Steve Cochran Show on WLS, of yeah. which I appear every other Friday. Uh, WLS AM eight ninety, the Big eighty nine. Um, he's getting married, and and coincidentally, uh, so is Slap Slapley is getting married at the same time. Oh wow! I don't know how. I don't in know the why. Same place. Same place in the same place. Yeah. Oh. So I don't think money. I don't think they're. Money. I, don't think they're <laughs> I don't think they're doing anything weird. But I do have this article of weird weddings. Now, have you looked at this? And and you know, we've all been to weddings. You were just at one. I'm going to mm-hmm. one. And we've mm-hmm. all experienced either good weddings or bad weddings, including receptions. And I'm including all of that: the wedding, the reception, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are some of the weird things that you, you got from this article that stand out for you? Weird wedding stuff. Uh, well, right off the bat, singing their vows. Yeah. Like, why? 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 <laughs> no one needs it. No one needs it. I've never, have you ever been to a wedding where they sang their vows? No. Me neither. Thank God. <laughs> so what do they say here? Uh, what? about that there's a few details um, well it here. says that they they the the couple sang their vows to each other neither had a singing voice <laughs> so at least you could i would maybe understand if like oh sure. yeah well they're singers or whatever or they're yeah. like theater people yeah. if if kristen so Chen- if kristen if kristen chenoworth was getting married that'd be fine i get, you know what i mean yeah <laughs> um but no neither had a singing voice which is even worse right. uh and then on top of singing, apparently the vows were insane. Uh, so some of the vows in it were like being submissive in the bedroom and not asking where she was going about where she was going, which, okay. I mean, cool, but why do you need to add that in there? Yeah. Uh, and then the uh, microphones were also auto-tuned, oh. uh, which I, you know what? I'm glad that they understood that they couldn't sing. So yeah. then. So they sounded like, they sounded like Cher. <laughs> But then they at least brought in the auto tune. They're like, "Well, let's right. fix it." Right. Oh God, auto tune. Um, yeah. And then the vows uh, uh, lasted twenty minutes. See, which is too long. That? Too yeah. long. <laughs> who needs that? Nobody. Needs I can't that. even deal with people talking their vows for twenty minutes, yeah. much less singing for twenty minutes. Yeah, that's a nightmare. A nightmare. Uh, the cake in the face incident is up next. Have you read this one? Uh, yeah, I, well, okay. So, I mean, I, that's a thing, right? People, it is a thing. People, do it was that. not a thing. I, I will tell you this. It was definitely not a fucking thing at the two weddings that I had in my life. No, <laughs> you're like, I swear to God, <laughs> I, there would be no cakes in my face. There would be no cakes in my wife's face. None of that shit. 
and I don't understand why it's a thing. And like, <laughs> boom, and I'll shove the cake in my wife's face. Asshole, it's her well, day. I mean, it's supposed to be like cutesy. It's not. It's stupid. No, but you know what I mean? Like, you're not yeah. supposed to, like, brah, like a whole yeah. piece of cake in Well, that's face. what, the, according to this article, right? What, is, what does the article say? According to the article, the, <laughs> the, the, husband, was, the husband was a total jag-off, right? Uh, yeah, so the bride made it clear that she did not want that to happen, and he did it anyway. Uh. But he smashed a full slice in her face. <laughs> which, you know, I get it. Okay, cool. Like, if that's your thing. Oh, but. No. Like I said, I think it's supposed to mainly be cutesy, where if, maybe you like bloop, like right on their nose, like right. Oh, if you're he. gonna do it, if you're gonna do it, do if you're gonna do it, do it right, like George Michael says. But if you're gonna do it, it is just a little, little, little whipped cream on the nose, maybe boopy, and that's it. Right, like oh, cute. This guy's clearly, and then wait a minute, it says here that she goes, "You asshole! I told you not to do that!" She screamed. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> She's, he smushed a full slice. What an asshole. I mean, and like, wedding cake isn't just cake. No. There's a whole lot of frosting on that. Yeah, there is. There so is. can you, just like a whole piece. And, and, and jams, usually, there's some kind oh, of yeah. filling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. And the and other not thing only is... did it, well, not only did it probably just get on her face, like full face yeah. cake bit. Veil, on the dress, dress too. the whole, yeah. yeah. No, here's the thing. I've been married twice, Esmeralda. I've, okay, I've had two, and both of them were wedding, big weddings. We had receptions, the whole nine. Okay, mm. and that day is for the bride. So, right, what the groom does is this: the groom shuts the fuck up, shows up, stands where he's supposed to stand, says what he's supposed to say, and do nothing else except let the bride have her day. That's what the groom should do. You don't smash a cake in her face. You don't steal focus. You don't, you know what I mean? It's the, it's the bride's day. Yeah. And yeah. that's it. And if you don't understand that, you're an asshole. <laughs> this guy clearly shoving a, a, a large piece of wedding cake into his wife's face after she specifically told him not to. I would imagine divorced right now. Uh, well, they did two years later. Oh, they did. I didn't even see that. <laughs> oh, man. Makes complete sense. I'm amazed okay. that they lasted that long. Yeah. Now, one of these things that says wildly inappropriate speech, have you ever gone to a wedding where, like, either the maid of honor or the matrix of honor or the, the, the best man has gotten up or people have gotten up, family members, as the mm-hmm. reception has been happening, gotten up to a live mic and went, hey, listen, I fucking love you. Have you has anybody ever, have you ever had inappropriate speeches? No, I unfortunately no. Because <laughs> come on, who who doesn't want to see one of those messes happen? Well, um, I fortunately have only seen great good speeches. And actually, yeah. Colin, um, in August or so, we went to a wedding. He was the best man, and he did a fantastic speech. He got an applause, like a, a laugh break. Yeah. He got- he killed. He killed. Yeah. He killed. It was yeah. great. My my so two. Unfortunately, my, no. I've never seen a mess of a speech. My two best men killed for for my uh, for my speech, nice. especially and not to judge the second best man, but the first best man nailed it big time, mm. like amazing. Um, but I was at a wedding one time where um, we were halfway through the reception and somebody grabbed the mic from the DJ, 
Mm-hmm. And like I need to say something right, and was loaded. Oh boy! And had just <laughs> gone to the gone to the car and brought in a case of Schlitz because we all drank Schlitz at the time. It's like mm-hmm. these are my friends, and I hope that because you're married, and he's talking to the guy who got married. I hope because you're married, you're not going to stop drinking fucking Schlitz, man. And he pulls out a case <laughs> of Schlitz. That's kind of cute, though. It, I know he's well, loaded, I mean, but it's kind of cute. Of like, no, I mean, everybody this was is our connection. Yeah, I mean, but all you know, I, I will say this because all of us who were there with dates, and we were there with dates, we were all just kind of like looking at our dates, going, "Oh God, they're going to be so mad at us." You know what I mean? <laughs> and 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 you know, but then of course he passed out, Schl- and the first woman who opened up a Schlitz was the bride. You know what I mean? She was on the dance floor and she yeah. popped open a sh- can of Schlitz and drank it. So she well, was good she's about like, it. "Nah, they're my my Schlitz yeah, is now." That's right. It's my Schlitz. <laughs> that's right. But no, I've never seen a wildly inappropriate uh, uh, speech. Um, yeah. Uh, my favorite um, out of these, yeah, because yeah. of yeah. course it was going to happen, is the uh, the groom's comedy sketch routine. Please explain. Uh, I know that this was not going to go. Like, all right, I was like, no, no. <laughs> no, no, of course not. So I guess the groomsmen prepared a skit in oh, which they yeah. lost, quote unquote, lost the groom at the reception. <laughs> And they, these are see, these are the things where I'm just like, why? Like, why did you think this was a good idea? Um, they proceeded with over-the-top hands on hips. Hey, guys, aren't we forgetting something? <laughs> well, where can he possibly be? Like, ew. <sighs> and nobody's laughing. Everyone's just like, I, we don't know. And I guess the whole thing ended like they were expecting a big applause and nothing happened um, because it's weird. It's weird. It's like, so no, crazy. come on. Let's do a wacky comedy skit. Me and like me improv. And, my... and and, you uh, know, these people aren't comedians in no, the least because real comedians wouldn't do that to no. themselves no, they wouldn't. or the groom. By the way, have you have you, you know, this past uh, Saturday night on Saturday Night Live, the host was Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of hers, but um, but it was a pretty solid show, and they did do a a commercial like a parody. Mm. Uh, have you did you watch it at all? Um, I I watched one clip. Did you watch? The, <laughs> was it the COVID commercial? Oh no, it was the big hat one. Oh, the big the big hat that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. That was at the end of the show. That's a twelve fifty sketch, and the twelve fifty yeah. sketches are always the weirdest thing. And it was funny. And those, and, and, you know, I mean, I love Chloe Feynman and I love Heidi Gardner and I love them. So it was funny. But no, there's this sketch that did where it was basically like, um, hey, you want to get out of something? Uh, get COVID. And it was, yeah, it was, I mean, it, yeah. It, it was fucking hilarious. As well, you look it up, like when we're done recording. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, I posted on my Facebook page. It's an easy, you can, I posted it oh, okay. the other day. Yeah. You scroll down, it's there. And it's a sketch that basically says, look, if you want to get out of shit, if, you're, if you don't feel like going to work, just get COVID. Go out and get COVID. And, yeah. And, and, you it's don't like, even need to get COVID. You can get one of those tests. Well, that's in the then, sketch. Wait, that's wrong. Yeah. That's in the sketch. They, they sell sketch. In, in it, they have an option where, like, if you don't want to get COVID, you can just get the, get, um, the tests that are always positive. Like you can always, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So it's I mean, like, it's usually just red. So just yeah, get a red pen and just bloop, it, make that a little like, positive. It's like it's like okay, like Heidi Gardner is like a mother, and the kids are running around. So she's like, she wants to get away from her husband and kids, and so, oh, you guys got to go. I have to quarantine for like a week, and so they have to leave. And <laughs> another one stays home from work, and you know, uh, it's all this commitments. And at the end of the uh, at the end of the commercial, it was like, here are things that you can get out of 
if you have COVID. So you should think about getting COVID now. And it was like pro-COVID. It was like, get COVID. Because now it's like, oh, it's, <laughs> I, was, I had a bad cold for five days. You know? And that was mm-hmm. the, it, was a, it was a double satire because it was about getting out of things. And also, like, our, our perception of COVID is so much different than it was two years ago. Now, I mean, you've had right. it, Esmeralda. You've had it. Yeah. I know people have had it two, three times, you know? And, and so now it's like, oh, yeah. I, and then it's like, oh, you have a great story to tell at work the next week. Oh, yeah. It was like I had a cold for four days. <laughs> it's like, oh, I had COVID, blah, blah, blah. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what the sketch is about. It's brilliant. I mean, seriously, you have to watch it when we're done. Uh, it's brilliant. And so one of the things that they have when they have on the, uh, on the thing is, um, one of them is like things that you can miss if you have COVID. And they have the list of things. Think about all these things you can get out of. And one, one of them is a wedding. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. and one of them is your friend's improv show. And that's on the list. <laughs> yeah. Cause you got to figure out some way. And that Do what you not. were talking Yeah. And what you were talking Oof. about there was a combination of the two, the groom's comedy. Yeah. And you can't get out of that. You're just like You're sitting there like, exactly. and a, I, I'm sure they didn't tell anybody. <laughs> no, thank you. No, but yeah, that COVID commercial. Fantastic. It's all about how great it is to get COVID and you can just stay at home. And at one point, like, Heidi, Heidi Gardner is pushing her husband and the kids out of the house to like, get out because he wants to be alone. Get out. And he's like, wait, wait a minute. Because she, she just bought the new, the, the, the COVID test where it's always positive. Yeah. And, yeah. and she's like, oh, no, I got it again. You guys have to leave. And he's like, well, you had it three days ago. And she's yeah, well, <laughs> I got it. You guys tough. have to go. And so he's like, leave. He's like, she's forcing the husband and the kids out. And she's like, you know, and the voiceover is like, I care about my children, but I don't want them to get sick. And, and have COVID, but I really care about them <laughs> children. Course. And as they're walking out, the husband goes, well, what do I feed them? And she slams the door in his face. <laughs> Figure it out, man. <laughs> so good. But yeah, you can get out of your friend's improv uh, show. Yeah. So, yeah. I actually went, um, this was years, years, years ago. I couldn't tell you what happened to them or whatever. This was my ex's friends, I think wedding okay Uh, and it was in the middle of nowhere it was in um dixon illinois dixon illinois Um, that's where the that's where the midway drive-in is run by mike and mia curse dixon illinois there's one nice thing yes so you're in dixon at the Um, wedding also the the childhood home of ronald reagan that's true yes it is you're absolutely (laughs) so we're at this we're at this wedding and at one point they i don't know if this is a thing i'm assuming i guess it's a thing uh the groom was kidnapped <laughs> yeah it they is kidnapped a thing. the yeah. groom okay because yeah. i was no, just go, like, ahead. What go ahead go ahead explain happening? explain what happened explain what happened though. they the grooms then kidnapped the groom <laughs> i forget exactly what happened like how they got him back <laughs> Right. But I know that happened. I was just like, what is happening here? <laughs> yeah. No, it's a wacky thing. Like, oh, we're trying to save you from marriage. Don't do it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. You yeah. remember when and you then met- they also, yeah. well, they also had, they had that. And then they also had these characters uh, that came in called uh, those funny little people. Oh, yeah. With the belly button things. Yes. Yeah. I, I love those bride guys. Bride and groom. Yep. Yep. They were at I, their wedding. I've seen it at many ways. It was a thing in the 80s and 90s. Cool. Yeah, I love, I love that. I love those guys. I, I don't know what they're called, the crazy little assholes or whatever. They're those they, funny little people. The funny little people, and they have those like... Those funny little people. And they have like exposed midriffs, and like they're, they're, you know, they paint lips by their belly button, and then they, and they're supposed to be like, sh- the legs are supposed to be very short. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen it several times. No, they times. have heads. They got faces. 
Yeah, no, they do, but like, but like, it's covering the actual human head. You know what I mean? So it looks right, like right, 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 right. Like everything, uh, everything from the torso up is covered. You know what I mean? Like the human torso is covered, so it looks, you know. So like, if they're gonna play a horn, they use their mouth as a belly button. The belly button is a mouth. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yeah. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Gotcha. Oh no, I've seen it. I've seen the little people. Yeah. I love the little people. <laughs> Okay. I remember I went to a wedding. I went to a wedding. I went to a wedding with my first wife before we were married. We were engaged because mm-hmm. at that time when I got married the first time, uh, I got married basically because everybody I knew was getting married. You know what I mean? Like it's like, yeah. oh well, fuck, I may as well. You know what I mean? Like all of my all of my friends, <laughs> all of my friends were getting married. And I'm like, well, shit. I'm what am I thirty? I guess I should be getting married. I'm thirty one. I guess I should get married. And we went to a wedding, and one of those weddings that we went to, they had these assholes come out with the big hats and the little people and the horn and all that shit. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, these guys rule. We should, we should have them at our wedding. And Wendy looked at me and was like, I'm telling you right now, if you even remotely think about having yeah. these assholes show up at the wedding, I will kill you. And I'm like, okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Yep. I'm with her. <laughs> so, all right, weird wedding stuff. Oh my god! All right, we have more of those we can get to. My dad has to tell a joke. Oh, you know who hasn't even oh. stopped in yet? Hold on. Hold on. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and Hi, I love Nick's show. Hi, Hi I'm Carrie today. Russell, and I love Hi, Nick's She's show. She's wearing a wedding gown. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I oh. love Nick's show. She's got a whole rack of, like, costumes, she's, huh? Well, she's been married <laughs> twice in real life, Carrie Russell, so. Uh, oh, you know who came in at the same time? Oh, my God. Oh, it's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Here we go! Yeah. Hey, by the way, Esmeralda, uh, I have heard the acoustic version. Uh, Skaggs played it for me over the phone. That he's mm-hmm. going to be playing, uh, he's doing the acoustic version. It's, it's going to be fantastic. So he's going to be nice. playing that live uh, on the fifteenth. All right, hey Dad, you got a joke? Let's hear it, huh? What did the pirate say on his 80th birthday? I'm 80. <laughs> wow. Uh, that was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. Yeah, I guarantee you. Uh, I know for a fact that the the jokes he's telling at uh, on the fifteenth are funnier than that one, and that's a funny joke. That's he's well. I mean, he's got to save the best. He does for the live show. For the live show, that's right. Zanies and Rosemont Tuesday, November fifteenth. Me, Esmeralda, surprise guest, Jason Skaggs, my dad. We're giving away stuff. We're doing taste tests. Uh, I believe uh, Slap Slapley might be in the audience. Uh, So uh, oh my, could be fun. Eight four seven eight one three zero four eight four. Zanies and Rosemont, Tuesday, November 15th. Esmeralda, thanks. We've got more weird wedding stuff that we can get to. Oh, of um, course, yes. And, uh, and then we, we are one week away from the live show. <clears throat> exciting. It's so exciting. And by the way, that day, a new episode mm-hmm. will drop that day. Oh, yeah. Okay. And that night, we record an episode that will also drop that week. So we'll have a bonus episode. So it'll be three. Next week, we'll have yeah. three episodes available just pack your day but but that nick that, and <laughs> nick and esma it's a nick and esma week yeah a full week and uh but by the way the ho- the the guest um on the episode after you know that will drop next tuesday hmm. dana de lorenzo 
my future ex-wife. Oh, lovely. Yeah. But coming up on the next episode, this Friday, Eric Childers and Steve Procopi for movies. Uh, and if you want to be a part of the podcast, uh, voicemail 773-417-6948. Email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs. My thanks to everybody at Radio Misfits. Rate and review all of us on a platform. You want to be a sponsor, advertise with us, sales at radiomisfits.com. Esmeralda, we will talk to you on uh, Friday. And yeah. uh, have a great one, and thanks. Yeah, you too. Okay, there's Esmeralda, there's me. Uh, thanks, everybody. It's uh, the Nick D Podcast, and it was episode 86. That's what it is, episode 86 right here. The Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. <laughs>